What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast, the insurgent bi-weekly audio syllabus. I am Money, the quarantined cat mom, um, <laughs> because cat mom is the role that I'm living into the most these days. And yeah, Nikita is still, um, you know, our favorite essential worker. So unfortunately, she won't be joining me for this episode, but it's still going to be a good one. I have faith in us as a community to make this episode lit. So let's drop the motherfucking intro. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you to jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sis, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You're amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love. I hope you hear that on a daily, cause baby, you love, you love. All right, so I'm going to jump right into where you can find uh, Queer Walk on the interwebs and uh, whatnot. So you can find us on IG and Twitter at Queer Walk Pod, P-O-D. We're on all the things at Queer Walk Pod. Um, Facebook is the same, facebook.com slash Queer Walk Pod. Uh, you can follow us on Tumblr, where it all began, at QueerWalk.com. And where you can listen. Well, however you found us today, you can listen there. <laughs> but you can also listen on SoundCloud, Stitcher, CastBox, Pocket Cast, and all the other major listening platforms that don't need plugs from us <laughs> for y'all to listen. Um, except that one that shall not be mentioned. Uh, which just so happens to have the bops. Damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> all the um, artists that I listen to that you can't typically find on, like, streaming services are always on Spotify. Um, <laughs> so there's, like, no getting around it. But the podcast won't be there. Sorry, y'all. Sorry. Ways you can contribute to us. So, um, me and Nikita, when she's not, you know, working these 1212s, uh, straight 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, redonkulous schedules. Uh, we are the curators of Queer Walk. Um, you know, we pull it all together. We we try our best to um, to make, you know, like an amalgamation of Queer Walk culture every episode. But if it wasn't for y'all contributions, this definitely wouldn't be happening. Like um, your gay aunties said, the lights would not be on, right? <laughs> so how to keep the lights on? You can contribute to Queer Walk in one of two ways. The first way 
is by giving us that Skrilla. Now, I know that times are hard for folks. So uh, if you cannot um, contribute monetarily, don't worry. I got you on the next way. Um, And please do everything that you need to do to take care of yourself in these times. If you do have a little extra coin, you can go ahead and drop a one-time donation at the Cash App, which is dollar sign queer walk pod, P-O-D. Or if you have... Um, a few extra coin, 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 you can become a patron. And that is just a small monthly donation to ensure that uh, we have the like capacity, space, um, <laughs> recording equipment, um, SoundCloud subscription to keep this coming. And you can become a patron um, over on patreon.com slash queerwalkpod. POD. We have suggestions for you there for but you can donate as much or as little a month as your budget will allow. So, like I said, I know money is a subject right now for a lot of us including myself. Um so here are some free ways that you can also contribute to Queer Walk and keep this podcast coming. First of all, you can love us out loud. Uh, by doing the R's, you can rate us on your platform that you listen, review us, leave a review, uh, request a topic or a Queer Walk or Queer Pock of the Week. You can repost the episodes when we post them. Let folks know that you're listening. You can retweet us uh, when I'm updating the Twitter. <laughs> and you can reply by using the hashtag QueerWOC to talk all things the podcast. You can also send us an email it, or DM us if you want to, you know, do something a little bit more private, but still give us the love and contributions to keep Queer Walk coming at QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Um, you can submit Curve Chronicles there. You can request a topic there. You can just shoot us an email to say, um, hey, girl, like, what you cooking for dinner Wednesday night <laughs> to start like a random conversation. If you're feeling the isolation, like I am all the, all the things you can hit up queerwalkpod at gmail.com. Or if you want us to come through your virtual panel, cause I swear the same panelists be paneling. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I just been going to like these academic conferences for way too many years already, even though I'm like still young as fuck, but I just know that so many people do so many things, right? And so it's just like, okay, we had a panel of, um, you know, like feminists last time and it was all those people. Like, how about we get some other feminists? How about we get like feminists that don't have books coming out? How about we get feminists that are doing it in other ways, you know? So um, I think about that too. So if you want us to be on your virtual panel so that the same panelists ain't paneling, you can send us an email at queerwalkpod at gmail.com. All right, y'all. I'm going to move it on along to the Queer Walk, Queer Walk, Queer Walk of the Week. I deeply miss Nikita, but I am glad that she's not here to mess up Queer Walk. (laughs) The Queer Walk of the Week um, intro. When we record remotely, it's so hard for her to keep on beat. But the Queer Walk of the Week segment is the segment where we highlight um, a queer person of color or a queer woman of color who is doing something um, fun, new, uh, creating, innovating, or just a baddie fucking it up that we think y'all should know about. 
So this week I decided that I wanted to highlight because I just watched this super cute movie um, called The Half of It. I wanted to highlight Alice Wu as Queerwalk of the Week. Now, Alice Wu is producer, writer, director. You know, these, uh, I don't, I don't know if it comes from us just having to do everything ourselves <laughs> because, um, people like rarely see our ta- talent and invest in us as like women of color broadly, but specifically like queer women of color. Um, but like how everybody, <laughs> producing writing and directing it's like do those do those roles really have that much overlap or is people just out here multi-talented um but yes Alice Wu is a producer writer director and a Taurus extraordinaire I will say more later but so I chose Alice for Queer Rock of the Week because I watched the half of it on Netflix it was released um on May Day May 1st uh and I think Most of you might be familiar with it. If you're not, I hope you stream it after I tell you about it. Um, So, I'm I'm not going to spoil. I promise. I don't think. Okay. (laughs) So, um... Before, before, before I get into the half of it, I just want to tell y'all a little bit about Alice. Because I think that her life um, just warmed my heart and like learning more about her and her interviews are like super cute she's doing all this promotion for the movie from home (laughs) in front of her bookshelf and I felt very seen so before film uh Alice had a whole ass career as a computer scientist Uh, she graduated uh with a computer science degree from Stanford uh studied a little bit at MIT and was just like all into the computer stuff right but was kind of like writing on the side Um, Her first film was called Saving Face, and some of y'all might be familiar with it. Uh, It was released in 2005, and this film, um, it was so cute, and it was a standout at uh, Sundance. But the main character in that film uh, was a Chinese-American woman. Uh, I think her nickname was, like, Will. Um, and she fell in love with this other woman, right? But she had to figure out how to, like, come out to her mom, who she thought would be, like, super disapproving. And also how to navigate, like, the judgment of her Chinese community in Queens. Um, it was a really cute movie. It came out in 05. And like I said, it was a hit at Sundance. Like, ev- like everybody went up for it. Um, But it was, like, so praised and uh, shined so much light on Alice. Um, And, and, like, a lot of people thought, oh, how much of this is inspired by your real life? Because you're Chinese and you're gay and blah, blah, blah. Um, That she just disappeared. (laughs) It was, um, I guess, in, like, um, true tourist fashion. She just, like, stayed in the house, right? And... So she she had to she talked about this in an interview that she had to process like all the series of what felt like random events that led up to her creating a film in the first place cuz like I said she was a computer science person right so she it's not like she like out to become a film creator right um I mean obviously now but at this point in time right and then also adjusting to like all eyes being on her, like someone who's like typically like really um, private. So um, yeah, she kind of dipped out and disappeared. <laughs> but six years after dipping out, she began work on the half of it. 
Um, and so this is her second film, uh, um, like 15 years later. And you can stream it on Netflix. So the half of it is, uh, it follows another queer Chinese girl. So cute. And this time it's about a high schooler. Her name is Ellie. And she lives in this really white, like fictional town called Squamish, um, that they call Hell Hamish. <laughs> and she lives with her dad. Um, she has this like business where she writes papers for people and she decides to help a boy that she goes to school with win over her crush, um, local hottie that everybody is like fawning after, Aster Flores. Um, and teen hearts get broken. Like that, basically, that's the, <laughs> the rest of the movie. I said I didn't want to spoil it. I just want to give y'all enough to go watch it. It got described by Glad as a classic teenage rom-com, but with a queer twist. Um, and the way Alice talks about it, I love it. Because uh, coming of age is like one of my favorite genres, especially when it's queer. Um, especially, especially when it's queer of color. It's just, it always feels like possibility making for me. But the way Alice talked about this, like, coming of age and it being, like, considered a coming of age movie is, she said, I just made a movie with teenagers in it. Teenagers are people experiencing things, too. <laughs> and I just, I don't know why, but I thought that was so dope because in, in my work with teenagers in therapy, like, that's some of the sessions that I enjoy the most. Like, a lot of times teenagers are are experiencing something and also processing it at the at the same time and I just thought I just love it I think it's so cute not to mention like how necessary it is to have queer Asian visibility or just to be real just to have um, Asian characters that aren't like the the goofy sidekick or like the random super smart kid in the class for them to be like center and central to the story for it to be about them and and they be multi-dimensional is just it's like so amazing too so um and then Alice talked about her own experiences like as a young queer Asian um and coming out as a senior in college and she talked about how um she didn't even know how to say gay in Mandarin when, like, talking to her parents about it. And um, so in this interview I watched with Glad, which I will link in the description to this episode, she said, if you don't have the words for something, how could you think that you're that thing? And that just, um, like, really hit me in my chest because it reminded me of when I was younger and not... Not, like, having words for it. It's just, like, people would say things like, she go that way. Or, <laughs> or um, she like, girl, she got sugar in her tank or something like that. But to find language that is your own for something or to see someone who you so closely identify with express that identity, it is, it is like, possibility making. Um, so the half of it, like I said, it came out May Day, May 1st. And it's already been nominated for the Gotham Independent Film Award for a Breakthrough Director. And so this makes Alice, um, at 50 years old, nominated for Breakthrough Director. And I just think that that is so dope. <laughs> like, at 50 years on Earth, 
Um, this is like a huzzah that <laughs> your wildest queer dreams can come true at any age. I know we used to get a lot of questions about like, am I too old to be um, like starting this? Or am I too old to be figuring out queerness? It's like there's literally no age cap on um, on coming into like your greatness <laughs> and your queerness. So... <laughs> In um, the words of Alice, like, because her, her sign off is always, go queer, nerdy Asians. So go queer, nerdy Asians, <laughs> especially, um, you know, the young Chinese lesbians out there who are, um, who will be able to see themselves in Ellie uh, in this movie. So go stream the half of it. It's amazing. You will not be disappointed. It was super cute. And there's so much, like, symbolism in it. So if you're a person who's into, like, catching details, there's so much, like, reflection and doubles and visuals that represent the tension that's happening in the movie at the moment. And there's also all of these, like, cultural clash moments. Uh, They aren't clashes. They're, like, cultural exchange moments. Like, uh, there's a lot of it around food because tourists. Um. (laughs) And, like, with the sausage taco that was super cute. So, um, yeah, just go check it out. You'll love it. And shout out to Alice Wu for giving us yet another young adult queer film to stand. All right. I'm going to move it on along to Community Contributors. Yeah. And <laughs> the Community Contributors segment is not just the segment where... Um, I show my lack of geography knowledge, but it's 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 specifically the segment where we highlight all the folks who help us make Queer Walk possible. One of my favorite things to do on this here program. So first of all, I want to shout out everyone who tuned in a second time to the Queer Walk Instagram Live to hear um, me read erotica, but specifically to hear Cree is a lesbian uh, read erotica because she's the one who wrote it. So (laughs) Um, first and foremost, shout out to Cree for sharing your work with us. Um, I love your writing. It's beautiful. It's alliterative. It's nasty. It's gay. What else do you need? Um, (laughs) I will um, link to some of the pieces that Cree read on the IG Live if you weren't able to catch it. It was amazing. Um, I'm pretty sure there's more partnerships with Cree and Queer Walk coming in the future. So if you missed Black Lesbian Erotica Reading last Friday, was it last Friday when y'all hear this? Yes, last Friday. You'll be able to catch it again soon because I know we're going to do more. Um, Cree is always writing goals. Um, (laughs) And so... Green hearts to you, Cree. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody who came through. Um, empty fridges. Thanks, y'all, for coming through. I love y'all. And, uh, oh, I saw uh, the hoes on the live. So shout out to Inner Ho Uprising for coming through the live. Always, always the Sy- Syracuse homies are always on. Um, so shout out to all the homies in Syracuse who came through the live. Yeah, it was really fun. Definitely can't wait to do it again. All right, now I'm going to send some shout outs to patrons who upped their pledges. Now, now, we don't have any new patrons and I'm actually like not mad at it because I know like we like we're a community, right? And we're often a community that's most directly impacted by things when they happen because of our multiple multiplicative identities, you know? So, um... 
I hope that you all are doing what you have to do to take care of yourselves in this time. And um, I really wish I could do more to help folks out. Um, So I'm not mad at it. Keep your coins. But thank you to the two patrons who upped their pledges uh, and continue to be patrons. So thank you, Christine and Martina. Martina, you know we love you. You know me and Nikita love you. So thank you both so much for upping your pledges and for continuing to support Queer Walk. We need it. (laughs) So thank you. And folks came through on the Cash App. So I know folks contributed on the Cash App. Cash app for the um, lesbian erotica reading. So thank y'all for popping in and um, giving us donations for that. Uh, T the Muse, thank you for that. And other folks who hashtag things like um, for paying a black woman today, for um, a drink on Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> like all the reasons y'all cash apped us. Thank you so much to Tanya, Bernadette, Kiri. I hope I'm saying that right, Carrie. Um, Ernestine, the homie Sherry, we love you so, so much, Sherry. And Dr. Sammy Shock, who's, <laughs> oh my gosh, I sometimes I just get on Instagram to see what you're wearing today, Sammy. Like, <laughs> those outfits be getting me through sometimes. Like, I think getting dressed is like one of my only things I've been holding on to, to for some sense of normalcy. And to see you doing it too, and and like with these uh, sequins and prints, I'm just like, yes, I stand, I live, and yes, the ass do look good in color and black and white. So <laughs> I love all the pictures, and thank you for your cash app donation. All right, all right. My goal is to pronounce all of these cities correctly. In the borders are fake shout outs. Okay. So the borders are fake shout outs is when <laughs> I um, try to shout out the um, places outside of large metropolitan areas um, that we have listeners in. And these, all these cities were in our top 20 listen cities in the past two weeks. So shout out to Wahiawa, Hawaii, Wahiawa. Mm-hmm. Is it like the upstate rule where you pronounce all of the um, vowels? Is it? Wahiawa? Okay. Hawaii. Shout out. <laughs> West Jordan, Utah. Thank you for listening. I'm pretty sure I said all those words, I think. West Jordan, Utah. Uh-huh. And Lompoc, 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 California. L-O-M-P-O-C. How would y'all say that? Woo. Woo. <laughs> Um, yes. So thank you to all those places uh, for listening and for obviously sharing Queer Walk um, because there's more than one person listening out there. So thank y'all so much for your continued support. All right. I'm going to move it on along to the mental moment with money. Um, Sadly, no jingle this time. Uh, wait till Nikita get back. Hopefully she been writing them bops while she been um, taking apart turbines. I think that's, is that a thing, Nikita? Is that what you do? I don't know. I don't know what she do for real. Um, <laughs> I do know she is a millwright. So, <laughs> um, but so for this mental moment, um, and ev- like, just like every mental moment, I just try to break down some mental health uh, 
concept or give us some like tips, tools, or tricks that we can use to better support our mental well-being. And today, I'm going to talk about collaging to cure the crestfallen. And yeah, <laughs> y'all know how I feel about uh, alliteration. And yes, I did use the word crestfallen in 2020, okay? <laughs> Which basically um, is just an extra way of me saying sad. But I had to because, you know, the C's, I had to keep with the C's. So collaging to cure the crestfallen. So I collage, right? Like I have... I have a trunk in my house. It's like this big black trunk that I got from the thrift store. The entire bottom of it is filled with collages. And it's so funny because I I think on a day-to-day, I don't think of myself as an artistic person or, you know, someone who creates um, in that way. But I definitely am because I stay collaging. It's a tool that I use in, like, art therapy, expressive therapy with folks. Like, it's just something that I incorporate in every aspect of my life. So, um, and trying to stay uh, busy, but also like soothed and sane through all of this, I have been collaging again, which is so fun. Um, I, I actually, to calm myself down before my defense, I collaged as well. So, um, yeah, collaging is a huge part of my, uh, self-soothing practices. So I'm going to get in to a little bit of why collaging is a cure for the crestfallen. Okay, the first thing, y'all, I love doing things that we've been doing. You know, that's that's what radical means, right? It returns to the root of something. Y'all, we've been collaging. Like, collaging is just such a part of um, Black folk traditions, right? Like, I think about quilts as collages. I think about um, like remixing some shit as collages, you know, (laughs) kids, like all of the collages I made as a, as a baby. Um, Alexis Pauline Gums talks about like black feminist breathing um, through collages and the way she makes collages inspired by her favorite black feminist quotes or black feminists. Um, I don't know if y'all know about these two artists, so I'm maybe I'm putting y'all on some game, but there's an Afro-Uruguayan um, artist named Paula uh, De Prado, and her collages, y'all, <laughs> like, they're just, they're just so, um, they, like, make you feel something. I forget what that word is, but they just make you feel, like, you look at it, and it's like, I cannot believe you made that from cutting things out of newspapers and magazines, <laughs> right? And And it's like... Um, her art has been shown like all over uh, South America, in the States, in um, Australia, where she grew up, like world, world uh, famous collages, right? And also, there's an artist that I found out about from the homie Shui. Uh, um, their name is Wangechi Mutu. Um, but they have this collage called Riding Death in My Sleep. That collage still till this day is on my Instagram because it's just like, it's just such bad bitch ancestral energy of like, I don't know. It just, it brings up all these things around like gender for me. This collage is called Riding Death in My Sleep. Um, It's, whoo, 
like, yeah, Mutu did that. It just feels like it's as sharp and expansive and complicated as femme, womanhood, femininity is for me. And that's what, like, they try to do with all of their art, right? So um, check out both of them, um, Wangechi Mutu and uh, Paula DePrado. Amazing, amazing um, collage artist. And also Alexis Pauline Gums, too, be making them collages. I think uh, she sells them on her site, too. So, yeah, I say all that to say, like, we've been doing this, right? It's a practice that uh, we've always used to um, express. And it's a it's a medium of art that has been accessible for us. Collaging is also an emotional release. I think there's something to be said about, like, when you can take something um, and just, like, create without having to... I don't know, like sketch or really uh, think out before that just feels so cathartic. It's just like a release on paper. Um, And you still get to mix and play with um, color in the same way as you would with like painting. Um, And, you know, like see what comes up for you and put it on a page. And that's just like such a, a release. I experience it as a release when I'm collaging. Um, this may, when I thought about trying to do collaging as a mental moment, it made me think about, um, intuitive collaging, which is what a lot of, uh, art therapists talk about. Um, and intuitive collaging is, it just means that you, it's just like it sounds. It's like you pick things that feel good, right? <laughs> like the, and then you create like, uh, an image from it. A big part of art therapy, expressive arts therapies in all ways is like you don't have to finish something in one sitting, right? So just because we start a collage in one session doesn't mean that we finish it in one session. I am so that person. Like I'll get hung up on, I can't start it because I don't have time to finish it right now. That's the beauty of collaging. I literally have collages that I did when I first moved to Syracuse in like 2013 that I still added stickers and stuff to. Um, years, years later, right? So um, I got these little gold unicorn stickers from, from my friend Nadia, and I put some of those on really old collages, right? A collage never has to be done, you know? Um, and so that's that's also like a big, a big principle of intuitive collaging is that um, you will know when it's done, right? <laughs> like trusting your, yourself, trusting your process. There's also no skill required other than being able to use a pair of scissors and a glue stick um, (laughs) for collaging. Uh, It feels a lot less intimidating than other art forms or expressive art therapies. Yeah, you you don't need skill. You can just <laughs> you can just sit your ass down with uh, magazines and newspapers that you can cut up, and a glue stick and some scissors, and you are. A collager, my friend. Now you you might not be a Mutu or Deprado, but you you're a collager. You know. <laughs> um, I also love collaging because it's affordable. I whenever I go into like um, grocery stores and stuff, because that's the only place I'm going these days. I just grab like the free little like pamphlets, leaflets, um, maps, whatever it is that they have. That's like a magazine. I just grab them up um, because I know I'm going to cut them up and collage with them. 
And other than that, all you need is a piece of paper to glue stuff to and a glue stick or some Mod Podge if you fancy, you know, like it is, it is so affordable, which makes it accessible. Right. And I'm all down for that. Um, also all the, all the tools you need probably aren't sold out in the stores right now. Like everything else. Have y'all seen the puzzle aisle? <laughs> I know puzzle companies are like, <laughs> I told y'all niggas, I told y'all niggas. <laughs> Because we just we just reverted right back to puzzles. Um, <laughs> we got locked in the house. <laughs> but yes, glue is still plentiful. So glue and scissors are still available, which makes uh, collaging an option. I always have to do my brain stuff <laughs> with this. I, I really do think that I'm going to start... I'm going to eventually take like more specialized training on like neuroscience and um, anxiety, depression, grounding, all the stuff, you know, cause I just think it's so helpful to know why we do things. Like I facilitated another healing space and I went through like the tapping techniques that are used in like EMDR and like trauma focused therapies. And it's based in like acupuncture pressure points, but I'm not sure what those pressure points are like tied to and stuff. And so I really want to learn that stuff, you know? Um, just nerdy about therapy stuff. So collaging, just like other forms of art, as you might know, it does have an impact on our brain. Um, But I guess more so I want to talk about what parts it unlocks for us and allows for, right? So it is said and been studied that collaging bypasses uh, our censoring mind. So, if you're into Freud or whatever, this is about to be your shit. But, I mean, you don't have to be into Freud to get this. So, our censoring mind is basically like a function of our brain that keeps our unconscious hidden and separate from our conscious mind. Um, so, the, basically, the, the function of your brain to keep you in check. Like, to not do, <laughs> to not do wild stuff in public, right? Um... So this could be good. Um, there's like functions of our censoring mind that allow us to not notice the feeling of our butt on a chair, for example, because imagine how annoying it would be if like <laughs> the whole time you were sitting, you were so keenly aware of what it feels like for your ass to be on a seat, right? <laughs> it's it's overwhelming, like how much things we're actually experiencing at once. So um, it's a function of our censoring mind to be like, all right. We don't really need to be paying attention to that right now. What we need to be paying attention to is this, right? But sometimes our censoring mind could overwork and it can become stifling, like constantly working to be acceptable to other people. People pleasing is a part of a censor- censoring mind. Um, when you're dissociating that sensory mind overload, you know, it's like you can't feel or be in touch with anything you're sensing in the moment. Um, yeah, so it can be good and it can go out of control, you know, like, like most good things. So Freud hypothesized that the safest way to bypass the sensor is to dream. Um, you know, he did a whole bunch of dream work, either like sleeping, sleeping dream, like for real dreaming or like, um, daydreaming or I would add 
dreaming through artistic expression. So there have been like critiques of the censoring, the sensing mind. Basically, people are saying if you're aware that you're confining something to the unconscious, then it's actually conscious Freud. And basically, you ain't doing nothing fancy. You just self-regulating. But, you know, I didn't love, I didn't, (laughs) I didn't turn this mic on to debate Sigmund Freud. Okay. I'm just here to talk about, um, like what folks have found in, uh, collaging, right? I do think there is something to the idea of doing something without thinking or without like inhibiting yourself, right? Which is basically what, um, this function, whether you call it self-regulating or the sensing mind does, right? It inhibits us. Um, Alexis Pauline Gums has this quote, like, freedom is not a secret, it's a practice. And I think about collaging as a freedom practice, because what better way to imagine a new world, a new condition, um, a new standard of beauty, than taking the beauty of the current world um, and cutting it away from all the ugly (laughs) and creating something entirely new, right? And that's exactly what you're doing with a collage, and so the idea is there's there's been like art therapy studies that like actually in like selecting what you want or cutting through things in order to like build this new image that this filter that we have that censors us from expressing these things that we would otherwise be holding back just flood out of us. Um, and there's I'm going to put a link to like how to create an intuitive um collage and then also how to interpret intuitive collages it's pretty easy it's kind of like um like astrology basically you know it's like oh these archetypes and what these colors mean and stuff I won't go into all of that but it is interesting if you do want to make a collage and kind of have an idea of what is possibly coming up for you through the imagery that you create. Um, I'll post the link in the description of this episode and you can read on at intuitivecreativity.com. So yeah, y'all get collaging, cut some stuff up, um, create. It's, it's really soothing and you don't got to have a stack as big as me as collages, but <laughs> because I just, um, I feel like I'm, I'm trying to like get rid of all the magazines I have in my house. So I'm making as much collages as possible. And also I just feel better if I have the TV on and I'm doing something instead of just sitting there like wasting hours away. So yeah, a glue stick, some scissors and paper. That's all you need. All right, y'all. So uh, Nikita's not here today. This is where we would usually have our um, leftist lesbian luminary labor lecture from her. Um, but we'll hear what she's been wrestling with when she gets back to us. So um, keep sending well wishes to Nikita as she's out being our favorite essential worker and um, and the next jingle because she better be working on them bops. All right, I'm going to move it on along to the topic segment. And as I record this, it's actually Giving Tuesday. So for folks who might not know, Giving Tuesday is uh, just like a national movement to support um, independent creatives, uh, independent uh, folks who are doing things, 
or like small businesses and um, nonprofits, right? So I just wanted to highlight five efforts that I think that you all should donate to if you have it. So if you have it, here are some like QPOC, QWOC uh, suggestions to donate to. So firstly... I'm going to suggest that you all donate to For the Girls. So For the Girls is a collective of uh, black trans folks in New York City. My um, sibling Ahmad and the homie Asani are um, the DJ and host respectively. And they raise money to assist black trans folks and gender nonconforming folks with rent, um, medical bills, and affirmative surgeries. So um, they've they've raised like thousands already and been like profiled all over the place. But I love supporting the homies and um, shouting them out and giving them much, 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 much uh, flowers while (laughs) while they're doing it. And right now we know like I don't know how folks in New York City are paying (laughs) rent if they're out of work right now. Um, Because I'm like, yeah, that 1200 stimulus check upstate covered rent, but 1200 in the city, (laughs) that's like, um, yeah. So it's just a lot of amazing work that For the Girls is supporting. You can Venmo them at For the Girls Party. And I'll put the link in the description to this episode for all of these that I'm going to talk about. But uh, for For the Girls specifically, it's spelled for, F-O-R-T-H-E-G-W-O-R-L-S, the girls party, P-A-R-T-Y. Shout out to Asani and Ahmad. I love y'all. All right. The next QPOC suggestion to donate to um, is 1977 books. Okay. So... Y'all know um, Alabama is a second home for me. Um, And if you don't know, now you do. So I always got to show love to the second home team, Alabama. So uh, 1977 is a volunteer-run, worker-owned bookstore, library, and community space for the people, by the people, located in Montgomery, Alabama. Shout out to the baby sis. Her hometown, her hometown right now. Um, Yes, and they have all of the, you know, it feels like the the queer, feminist, radical must-reads. They have all of those, but they also have amazing fiction, amazing poetry. They highlight uh, writers of color. And they're a feminist, worker-owned bookstore in Alabama. So... You can order a book to support or you can donate. And their handle is at 1977books, B-O-O-K-S. The third initiative that I want to highlight for y'all to donate to is the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, um, started by L. Hearns. So the mission of the Marsha P. Johnson Institute is to defend and protect the human rights of transgender and gender nonconforming communities in the United States. Their um, their uh, stated goal is to reclaim Marsha, right? So to 
um, highlight her history, her impact, um, and to to have every gender nonconforming and trans person know that Marsha was with that bitch, you know, <laughs> she the one who set it out. Um, and they've been doing that. I just want to highlight them to continue their like efforts and they've been doing like, um, like webinars and online things like that since COVID-19. So to keep that coming, the link is marshap.org slash donate, marshap.org slash donate. And again, all these links will be in the description. Fourthly, if you have it, you should donate to Black Lesbian Archives at Black Lesbian Archives on all the things. So um, they started the Afriketi, um, I think, I don't, I don't know if you pronounce that, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but Afriketi is... It's basically like a, a word for like um, black mama, right? But it's like a, a queering of that um, idea of black motherhood, I guess, and an expansion and a growth of that. It's like you grow into Afriketi is, is how I understand that word from like um, Audre Lorde. But yeah, so uh, they started an Afriketi series where they um, do these live talks with black lesbians. That's been dope um, on Instagram. But outside of that, Black Lesbian Archives is really trying to make a a multimedia space for lesbians, Black lesbians, to educate, build, and preserve our culture. Um, They have a podcast now. Um, They're on Patreon now at Black Lesbian Archives. Uh, They, before all of this happened, they were trying to get like a grassroots tour going um, to to get things for the archives from all different cities all over the country. And so I just, I've learned so much just from following them on Instagram. So I just had to highlight them as a place you can donate if you have it at Black Lesbian Archives. Um, they're also how I found out about Cree is a lesbian and her writing And um, was able to partner with her to do that live event. So um, shout out to them for also creating community (laughs) on Instagram. Yeah, so if you have it, donate. And last but not least, another Alabama fave, um, (laughs) Montgomery Pride United. And they're at Montgomery Pride on everything. So Montgomery Pride is a safe space that unites... um, queer folks, uh, LGBTQ folks, and allies to, like, fight for rights in a red state, um, but also to meet the very material needs of the queer community in Montgomery, right? They have the Byard Rustin Community Center and thrift store. They're really doing a lot. Um, And speaking of them doing a lot, right now what they're doing is frontline deliveries of non-perishable goods, hygiene products, toilet tissue, um, and other things like that to queer elders in Montgomery. And that just so needs to be applauded because I think I feel this a lot, but I think some sometimes queer culture gets really like youth focused, right? So like, how do we um, intervene early? How do we come out and feel safe earlier? How do we like grow into our skin as fast as we can? But 
like that kind of foreshortens our narratives, right? Like we live to be old. Like we <laughs> we are elderly and we we have to imagine ourselves growing old. And so that means taking care of our queer elders. Um they are the history, right? They they are the living um history of of the queer um, struggle in this country. And Montgomery Pride is doing that. I heard that they just got a grant for frontline work in Alabama. So salute to them for getting that grant. But they always can use our support. So if you have it, donate. Their handle is at Montgomery Pride. So yes, those are the five QPOC suggestions that I have for donating if you're feeling generous these days. Again, that's For the Girls Party, 1977 Books, the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, Black Lesbian Archives, and Montgomery Pride. I love you all, and I'm so proud to be living at the same time as y'all doing this work. And hopefully, like this podcast, (laughs) just brings a little bit more light to the incredible um, work that y'all are doing. All right, y'all. So I'm going to move it on along to the final segment of Queer Walk, the podcast, which is Curved Chronicles. So Curved Chronicles is the segment where we talk about your dating woes and wins and our dating woes and wins as queer pop. Okay, so first, so we do have a letter for um this this uh, Curved Chronicle, but I just wanted to give y'all a little like update, update on my love life also um, in this episode. So y'all, why am I dating more now than (laughs) when I was allowed outside, when outside was open? Um, (laughs) It's been really interesting, actually, like, um, wow, I'm really like going on dates. Like I, well, you know, I ain't going nowhere. I'm logging on to Zoom or or WebEx. But still, I'm like, okay. Um, I've also been taking full advantage of Tinder's uh, passport thing where you can be swiping in any any city, any place all around the world. And let me tell you something. Um, the Pacific Northwest loves your girl. Okay, so... <laughs> been getting some really good matches having some really good conversations um with the uh tinder passport so um all this shows me tinder is that you could have that uh feature be free all the time um but i guess you know catfish is going catfish so (laughs) you gotta put it behind a paywall but yes i've been having a lot of fun y'all I went to the Cutie BIPOC Speed Dating in the Cloud event on April 25th. Um, that was really fun. Uh, I've never been speed dating at all, like in in physical life or social distancing. So it was my first ever experience with speed dating. And it was really fun. I don't know if it's just, you know, because it was a community uh, speed dating event or if speed dating is just my thing. But it was so much fun. Like you, you get matched with somebody Y'all, like, introduce yourselves super quick and maybe are able to follow up on, like, two questions and then the six to eight minutes are up and you switch. Um, They also did misconnections. So if you saw somebody in the Zoom call that you didn't get a chance to, like, match with on a speed dating, then you could write the matchmaker and say, hey, I saw this person in that square and I would like to keep in contact um, that that was cute. It was cute. Um, 
outcome. All right. So the outcome was I didn't get any matches, y'all. Like I wrote the matchmaker and um, I didn't get any. So I went on eight speed dates and out of those eight speed dates, I sent four names to the matchmaker. Apparently, I'm the only one who... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like follows the rules like that. I think it was because my it was my first time, right? And so, but um, so I didn't get any like technical matches from the speed dating. But afterwards, folks hit me up on Instagram and was like, "Hey, remember me from the date? Um, I would love to like talk again." So that was cute, and I felt very excited. Um. You know, I went I went on a second Zoom date um, <laughs> with somebody that I met on the speed dating. So that's fun. I got um, a number and I need to follow up, except I'm just the worst text messenger ever. But <laughs> it's been fun, y'all. I mean, that's I think that's this is what dating is supposed to be. Right. It's just like you're figuring stuff out. You're finding if you connect with somebody um, and like following through if you do connect. Right. And that that's been so great especially battling isolation the way i have like i've been trying to be alone but not lonely and this has just been like really fun so thank you to all the folks who are doing like cutie bipoc meetups or like speed dating or um like all the kind of virtual things to um spark love and hope and joy in these moments um, I saw Femme Primacy did a speed dating event too. Um, love Femme Primacy. I only hear good things about them. So I can't wait to like be able to make one of their speed dating events too. So yes. So that's how things are going over here. You know, um, the apps aren't as dry anymore. And <laughs> I mean, well, Lex is still dry. It's... Mm. No, nobody wants a sourdough starter kit. Like, nobody wants that. (laughs) Why are you posting on a dating app about a bread making kit? I'm not going to give you my kombucha scoby. No, like, (laughs) can can we just, like, be on here and send flirty messages to each other and, you know, waste each other's time from 9 to 11 p.m.? Anyway, so, yeah, that's what's going on with your girl. Um... You know, still free, but hopeful, uh, which is a shift in me dating, I would say. Don't y'all think? I mean, I think there were definitely points where I felt really bleak about it and like really low. And when I say points, I mean like Sunday. <laughs> it was like recently, right? Like um, I connect with folks and I feel like we be on the same wave and it just never turns into a relationship. And I felt like I was internalizing that for a long time. Like, what is it about me where it's like people will like ask you to like uh, put your guards down and um, be like, yeah, you know, I like your energy. I'm feeling your vibe. Oh, blah, 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 blah. But I want to be friends, girl. You such an amazing friend. Or I just want to kick it. And it's like, um, that's not what I'm looking for as I am 30 now. And I think my kick it years were kind of behind me. Maybe I might feel differently when, you know, like my 
Like, I have other demands in life where I'll be like, no, we can just kick it. But, like, right now, I got enough free time and enough, <laughs> like, emotional capacity to, like, sustain a relationship. And so that's what I want. And I'm um, my therapist told me, like, never stop wanting love in any of its forms. And you know what? That was a bar. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to um, stick with that. So, yeah, so I'm feeling hopeful, y'all, which is new for me. I feel all giddy about it. Okay, so um, I'm going to read a Curve Chronicle that was submitted. I'm going to call, this is one of my favorite people that submitted this, by the way, but I'm going to call them Calendula because I'm drinking Calendula tea right now and um, <laughs> I couldn't think of another name. So Calendula, <laughs> which is a really cute flower. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a cute name. So Calendula writes. Okay, I've been listening to old episodes of Queer Walk because of the social isolation business and also because the episodes of Fire. Oh, thanks. And I came across this one called Love, Reparations, and Strap-Ons. What a classic. <laughs> Y'all go check out Love, Reparations, and Strap-Ons. Um, I think it's like, oh my, something like that. So I have a weird story to share. About a year ago, I was in an open relationship with this girl. We both had very little experience with queerness, having mostly dated men because heteronormativity. Never mind. I'll hold my comments to the end. (laughs) Calendula continues. Anyway, so she met this other woman who really liked her. Unfortunately, my ex-girlfriend was one of those I'm only gay for you straight girls. And so she just led this poor woman on, but introduced me to her. Once when she traveled, she bought my ex-girlfriend and I a large strap-on and lube. I thought it was a weird present, but I was out of town at the time, so we didn't have the conversation properly. When I got back, my ex-girlfriend had kept the present pretty far back in the closet. Laughing face. (laughs) I didn't know how to bring it up, and we soon broke up. When she left, she took most of her shit and took out the lube, but left behind the strap. I'm now in a good, healthy relationship with an amazing envy, and I sometimes wonder what to do with the strap. Do you have any ideas? I'll likely be moving soon, and I wouldn't want to leave it at my parents' house when I go to graduate school, but it also feels weird to throw away a perfectly good strap just because it was a gift from my ex-girlfriend's crush. Any bright ideas? I love the podcast so much, and I love the both of you so much. Congratulations again, Dr. Money. Nikita, I know we're both taken, but you're fine as hell. (laughs) Love y'all, Calendula. Wow. (laughs) Well, thank you for the congratulations again. Um, It's kind of wild. It's only been two months um, of being doctor. And Nikita is um, newly not taken, so... I know you're still taking calendula, but all right. So this question, what to do with a strap when you're moving out your parents' house and you don't want to keep it? Um, Yeah, what? Do you not want to keep it? It sounds like it was never, ever used. Do you not want to keep it? Do you not want to keep it just because it was a gift from your ex-girlfriend's crush? 
because that's far enough removed and they never used used it with each other that I think it's totally fine to keep it. Um, dildos are expensive. <laughs> Very expensive. I mean, good ones are. You can get those like um, shitty, terrible like uh, rubbery ones for like $25, but a good strap is expensive. Um, And I wouldn't just throw it away because of the person who gave it to me if it was never used. Does that make sense? You know, I'm not out here suggesting that you, (laughs) you share toys, but it doesn't sound like nowhere in your letter did anybody use this strap. So I would say keep it until Young M.A. drops another coupon code for her dildo line that she's selling. So, because <laughs> um, straps are expensive. And if y'all like um, penetrative sex, why not just keep it? You you in MB Bay. I, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that if it was never used. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't think you have to have had physical behaviors <laughs> or interactions with women to be exploring your queerness. Um, you can still have those desires and attractions without the behavior, right? So um, I would I would just wanted to say that when you say y'all had little experience, because I think existing is experience when you have those um, desires and attraction as long as you're not like actively working against them. Like as long as you're not doing that, then... Your existence is queer. Um, yeah. So that I'm only gay for you, straight girl. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. What an experience. I I thankfully have like dodged that bullet. Um, because <laughs> I've I've have I ever been anybody's first girlfriend? I don't think so. I don't think there's anything wrong with keeping a never used strap. That's that's my opinion. If you have a different one, put it in the hashtag queer walk, queer W-O-C. <laughs> um, have I ever thrown out a strap before? I have. And what I did was I cut it up. <laughs> oh my gosh, y'all. This podcasting is so weird. Yeah, this is so friggin' intimate, yet I don't know who's gonna listen to this. Um, yes. So I had, I had this, so I only do fantasy colors. I, I don't like flesh tones. It freaks me out. It reminds me of like saw or something. You just see a body part laying somewhere. (laughs) So I only do fantasy colors. Um, so people would know that it was a toy anyway, but I had this blue strap that I was going to throw out, um, after a relationship it had been very well used and um <laughs> i i had cut off cut the balls off of it just because like we didn't need it i don't understand why uh, why there aren't more straps that don't have like the fake balls on it and just have the like penetrative part that you use to penetrate um so i cut those off first Cause I was, cause in my head I was like, okay, if they see the print of this through the through the garbage bag, then it just kind of looks like a pole or or a weird object, not like a dick. But <laughs> so I cut the balls off first, and then I had so much fun cutting those off that I just chopped it up. I ended up cutting up the whole thing, and so I cut it into pieces and um, put it in the trash as normal and threw it away. So 
um that might be very virgo and extra of me but i did it and that's the way that i've been disposing of straps ever since um like i think i've had three that i've thrown away and yeah i just cut them up (laughs) so if you're going through the trash you you would literally have to put it back together to figure out what it is so um if you're worried if you don't want the suggestion of just keeping it because it's never been used and you know you and Bay aren't down with using it and would like the experience of buying one together or maybe just not into straps you can do that you can cut it up and and if you have like queer community and it's never been used see if somebody wants it because again straps are expensive so, if you have one, like, in the box, never been used before, um, see if somebody you know might want it, too. You might could, like, re-gift it or re-home it <laughs> with somebody. <laughs> so, those are my suggestions. If y'all have suggestions for Calendula at, as to what her and Bay should do with this strap that was a gift from her ex-girlfriend's crush, um, please let us know. Use the hashtag queer WOC or just reply to us and let me know what you would do with a strap that's been in the back of your closet. <laughs> um, my suggestions are just keep it or cut it up, girl. All right, that is an episode. I'm really excited that y'all got an episode this week. Uh, <laughs> let me know what you think about it. Um, hit me up. I'm on all the things at B-E-T-T-A-T-H-A-N-M-O-N-E-Y. Um, that's better than money. And I have been the quarantine cat mom and you just listened to Queer Walk the podcast. You can find us on all the things at Queer Walk Pod. All right. I'm out, y'all. Bye. <laughs>